You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And today's episode is the episode that inspired Coco Peep Show's OnlyFans account. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Courtney. This is the sexy straw that broke the hot camel's back. That is right. It only took three interviews with comedians for me to be like, "Um, okay, where's the sign up button? (laughs) (laughs) somebody tell me how i can put my nudes on the internet please thank you (laughs) you didn't really need a push you know if anything (laughs) you needed a slight pull in it's like no courtney stop (laughs) totally totally but it is hilarious you can hear in the interview me being like no i need to start an OnlyFans." (laughs) (laughs) and i am really thankful to today's guest anya volts for throwing me over the edge because I think I owe her money and <laughs> yeah, like a 10% cut. Seriously. I truly am indebted to her a little bit financially and you know, my exhibitionist side is definitely indebted to her. So, and I just want to say that it's really uh, cool to get Anya's point of view on OnlyFans because she's quite a bit younger than us. She's in her early twenties. She's on the early side of being a millennial and we're on the late side and mm-hmm. And just noting the differences in the way that they perceive sexuality and the way that they grew up and the way they navigate societal expectations of sexuality from us is definitely different, even though the age gap isn't that huge. I know. It's fascinating to me. It's just so interesting how much of a difference there can be within one generation. Yes. And I think uh, the different societal kind of expectations that we Mm -hmm. grew up with we had an extra like bunch of years with them that they didn't so you can really see the difference in the freedom of thinking and what they think is acceptable what taboos they navigate it's just different from us it's also interesting to talk to Anya because OnlyFans and sex work in general is typically a very highly feminized space. And Anya is non-binary. And this is the first non-binary perspective we've gotten in this series. And it was so interesting to hear her talk about how she navigates like the gender presentation of it all. Yes, it's really interesting to see how you play with femininity for money, essentially. And in addition to uh, all the smart stuff that Anya says, also, she's a super funny comedian. Check out some of her set from The Knitting Factory. Uh, I've been thinking about my gender identity a lot lately. I know I looked like I was going to say that. Um, (laughs) It's true. I got there. Don't worry. Um, Yeah, I came out as non-binary. Thank you. If you don't know what that means, basically it just means I I feel like I fall more on a gender spectrum, if you will. Like, for example, I know I'm very much a woman in that straight men really want to fuck me, but I'm very much a boy in that much older straight men also want to fuck me. And what's cool is that they all get 
that too. <laughs> Every last one of them. That's what's cool about it. Oh my God, she's so funny. <laughs> so let's not waste any more time, right? Let's get right into this interview. Let's do this. Here we go. Hey, Soph, how are those resolutions coming? Shut up. Oh, Sophia, it's okay. You can still turn 2021 around, okay? The new year is just starting, and I have the perfect thing to turn your resolutions into reality. Okay, if this is about Scientology, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, it's about a much better S word, and that is Sakara. Sakara is a wellness company rooted in the transformational power of plant-based food. Oh, that's awesome. That's one of my things. I definitely want to eat less meat in this year, for sure. Well, then Sakara's perfect because their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful, plant-rich ingredients, and they're designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing, girl. Ooh, get your skin right. That's also on my list. And Sakara's awesome because their menu of creative, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners changes weekly so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh anywhere in the U.S. Ooh, and it looks like Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. That's right. And along with delicious, plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials for optimal nutrition. Sakara's supplement packs called The Foundation and their Metabolism Super Powder deliver support for gut health, energy, immunity, and healthy skin. And on top of all that, right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash private or enter code private at checkout. Ooh, I'm going to sign up. So that's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash private. And I'm going to get that sweet 20% off, honey. That's right. 20% off your first order at sakara.com slash private. We are so excited to have with us on the podcast Anya Bowles, who's one of the funniest comedians and hottest, thoughtiest people I know, <laughs> and uh, also a ton of fun. We met at a comedy festival. We've had some epic hangouts. Mm -hmm. She is the best. Oh, dope. I didn't realize you guys like actually knew each other, knew each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just thought you more knew of each other. Nice. No, the love is real. We've hung out in Arizona. We've hung out in Boston. And yeah. New York. Did we hang out in LA too? I don't remember. I don't either, but several places. <laughs> Where are you based right now? Uh, I'm currently, I live in New York and I'm in Vermont for a few weeks visiting family and stuff. Right on. So does your family know about your OnlyFans? <laughs> um, well, we haven't like talked about it, but they follow me on social media. So like, oh, so they know. They know. Yeah, they know. They know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've talked about it to my brother's girlfriend. So there's like one, you know, like Degree. sort of member of the family that knows directly from the horse's mouth. But like my mom actually, I mean, of course they know. My mom liked my most recent like promo post for it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> She's proud of her baby girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get that bread, get that head, then leave. You know, that's, that's the a good motto. mama. That's a good mama. <laughs> Can you tell us when you got started with OnlyFans and if it was because of Corona and like what you were doing like for money before and what are you doing now and what your financial situation looks like and how it's changed? 
Yeah, so, I mean, I was doing basically everything that you would do on OnlyFans in my DMs, basically, before Corona. So I was, like, selling content (laughs) to um, Reply Guys, which I actually talked on um, Teresa Lee's podcast about this. Oh, her Um, her secret podcast? Yeah. Tell Me Anything pod. Tell Me Anything podcast, yes. Oh, such a good podcast. Anyway, my, like, confession that I could tell her anything was that I basically figured out a way that the majority of the people who were in my DMs being like kind of crude the way anybody will receive. If you have enough of a platform, you get creepy DMs, I feel like. I think that's just a thing that happens, especially to women with enough followers. I realized like a lot of them would uh, pay A lot of them (laughs) would pay for the things that they were asking of me. And I was like, I'm broke and I don't really care. So I'm just going to send nudes to these reply guys slash charge them to send me dick pics. What was the first one? Did he offer or were you like, yeah, if you pay me a hundred dollars and then he's like, okay. (laughs) You know what? It's like weird. I've been doing it for a really long time. So I don't actually really remember the specific circumstances, but I do remember the first time I ever sold a nude in general was just to a coworker at this grocery store I worked at because he was like, he was like, into me and I was like actually I think this person offered it's an IRL DM where they just walk up to you and they're like hi (laughs) I have a naked photo please (laughs) yeah except I think it was literally in the DMs but we just knew each other in real life but the the actual like question I think still happened via Instagram DMs or something but we worked together and Like, I liked that this person knew that it was never going to happen, you know? Like, they didn't ask me out. They didn't try to, like, bang. They were like, can I just pay you for some nudes? That's perfect. (laughs) That is proper (laughs) etiquette, honestly. They're like, I don't want your free labor of turning me down over and over again. Instead, can I pay you to actually sexually engage with me in a way that you find acceptable on your terms? Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, that warmed me up to the idea. And then I think I just kind of, and this was like years ago, this was like four or five years ago now. So starting with that person, I just kind of, I mean, it, it's also a great way to shut someone down. Like if they ask you for nudes, you can be like, great, then mow me this much money. And I just mm-hmm. realized if I say that, some of them will. <laughs> and then the ones that don't, like, don't keep asking about it, basically. Nice. Um, But I wasn't like making like a real living off of it. It was but it was definitely, you know, I will say as a struggling comedian in New York City, it did pay rent a couple times. Yeah. If you got in a bind. (laughs) Yeah. It got me out of some sticky situations for sure. Um, So, yeah, I I guess the pandemic (laughs) before the pandemic, what I was doing for work, I was cleaning apartments. I was a housekeeper, which I also like kind of always low key was like how could I combine this with sex work somehow? Should I just like put on a French maid uniform and like, (laughs) like see if I can get somebody to uh, pay like way more for kind of the same service. I just like look hot while I do it. That's more like a pilot idea than a real life 
<laughs> pursuit, I think. I but- genuinely tried to do it a couple times. I relate to that. I cleaned houses as well. And then I was like, could I just be a naked maid or should I be in one of those vans? I don't know. Yeah, I got to I- say, if you think that you bitches are not cleaning hard enough, there's never <laughs> been... A time where I'm like titties deep in the fucking toilet and I'm like, you know what would be sexy <laughs> if someone paid me for this and I was also wearing a thong. It was like disgusting. If you're doing very little cleaning, <laughs> yes, I get it. <laughs> I will say I I uh, was an actual cleaner and was doing the like gross hard work cleaning. And that was actually why I thought I sh- wanted to do it naked because mm. then I wouldn't have to be cleaning as hard, you know, like they wouldn't be paying for the cleanliness. <laughs> that makes sense. And they'd be paying more. Yeah. Yeah. They'd be paying more for me to do less cleaning. That's what like got my wheels turning about it. Cause I was like, I don't want to be elbows deep in a toilet ever again. <laughs> that makes so much sense. So did your job like end or it just wasn't safe? Yeah. Well, New York got hit really hard immediately as we as we all remember. And it wasn't even that it wasn't safe, which it wasn't. And I wasn't super comfortable doing it anyway. But it was like an immediate stop altogether. Both me and the clients just stopped contacting each other. We were like, it's just there's no reason anybody should be coming into each other's homes mm-hmm. right now. Basically, like the week it hit, I did I think my last cleaning on like March 17th, maybe. And like March 14th was when quarantine was like whispered into the air of New Mm -hmm. York City. (laughs) So I like I gave it like a couple more days and then I was like, no, I can't. Especially at the time we thought that COVID was spread like on surfaces, Mm -hmm. which it is a little bit, but not to the extent that we thought it was. So I was just like, why do they want me touching their like countertops and stuff right now? And why am I here for my own and my roommate's safety What was nice was a couple of my clients just kept paying me as if I was still cleaning because they were rich people and they knew that like I obviously wasn't like getting work right now and they were just being nice. That's really Um, nice. But not enough of them where I was like, yeah, I'm totally comfortable in set. And I wasn't even totally comfortable working the like regular amount. Really, I figured out a way to make exactly the amount of money I needed to make each month. So that I could like dedicate all of my time to like comedy and stuff. So I uh, I wasn't like making a comfortable living with cleaning anyway. I was like scraping by. And so then, yeah, it wasn't clear whether uh, freelancers and self-employed people were going to be getting the unemployment benefits. I knew that the stimulus check was going to come once that was announced. But I was like, there's no way $1,200 is going to make it that far <laughs> in mm-hmm. my New York City life. So I was like, maybe I'll start a Patreon. <laughs> and then um, I just kept seeing like jokes. And you about- started crying. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, then- no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I just, ugh, God. I do have a Patreon, by the way. I'm very bad at updating <laughs> it. I- I'm going to start one. So <laughs> I I have a Patreon and it's fine. But unless you have like a very specific thing that people are showing up to your Patreon for, it is not easy to upkeep like if it's not Uh like bonus podcast episodes and it's just kind of like I'm a comedian you have to just like come up with weird stuff that you want 15 people to see (laughs) and they want badly enough to pay for but like you wouldn't post publicly like I'm like if I make something that's good enough I want it just to be on my like Twitter or something exactly yeah but they're paying for it and it's just like it's a complicated I'm having a hard time with Patreon anyway 
I started a Patreon and I was like, let's see how this goes. Didn't realize how hard it would be at the time. But then I was like, well, if I'm starting a Patreon, let's let's think about this other side hustle I have. And I just kind of just dip my toe into like, how difficult is it to start an OnlyFans? I don't know if it's like a super complicated registering. Like, I don't know. Um, and then it was really easy. It was like two days of approval time. And then they were like, great, you're good to go. Just start charging however much you want to charge for whatever it is you're going to do with this page. What'd you have to submit to them to get approved? You just have to have a photo of yourself holding your license to prove that you're you which I think is like smart for several reasons. But number one, I think it's smart for like the reasons that like Pornhub gets in trouble and stuff a lot because you know for sure that the person making this content is the one that's uploading it. I just think it's very helpful for privacy and safety and stuff. But then also just for getting a payout, they need to make sure that the name and social security number like match, you know? And it's also good that it doesn't have to go through these approvals where it's like a board of dudes being like, should this person be on OnlyFans or not? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's just like, are you a legal person? Yes. Okay, you're good to go. Yeah. Well, also OnlyFans is like technically another like Patreon type of thing, but it just is it doesn't have an 18 plus limitation of what kind of content you make on it. So technically they started it with the intention for it to be this place for like YouTubers to like make bonus videos for their fans. (sighs) And then they just never put like a content restriction on it. And they like accidentally stumbled into a gold mine of like sex workers. And because OnlyFans takes 20% of everything, that's 20% of subscription fees, 20% of tips 20% of any money that you're making on there. So I think they also just realized it was super lucrative to let sex workers do their thing on their platform because they're making so much money off of us. But we're making enough money even with that 20% cut that the safety of that platform is like worth it worth the 20%, I think, because they also something that's like kind of amazing is they technically own all the content that you upload onto their site. So if you upload it somewhere else, that's fine. Like they're not going to be hunting down that content themselves. But if somebody else steals that content and uploads it to like Pornhub or something, you can tell OnlyFans and then their legal team will handle it. Like it's not your problem. I mean, if you want to be like super on top of it, you should have your own legal team. But I'm not like a big enough account for that to be a problem. Like that's for people with like thousands of subscribers because their stuff is constantly getting leaked. If my stuff ever gets leaked, it will be at a smaller scale where I think I'll only need OnlyFans' help with it. But there's some people who it's like every day and you kind of need your own legal team at that point. But you have the money to do that. Um, So the barrier to entry is much lower because OnlyFans is like kind of doing everything for you even if you couldn't afford to do that yourself if you were like just starting out and your stuff got leaked and you didn't know how to you know take it down without paying a bunch of money. What's the scale of your OnlyFans right now? Like how many subscribers? How much money do you make a month? Like if you're comfortable saying. (laughs) I'm in the top 2% of OnlyFans creators. Congratulations. Fuck yeah. Which is so funny that they like give you this little update on like what percentage of OnlyFans creators you are. And it's very like it seems kind of meaningless to me, but it does. I don't know. It does uh, 
motivate you. And I think the whole point is to get you to be like, oh, yeah, 2%. I'm going to be in the 1%. And then OnlyFans <laughs> just like makes all that 20% of whatever money you make in the meantime while you're pursuing that. So if you're kind of a competitive person, it's very motivating. Um, <laughs> so my like whole idea with my OnlyFans is I kind of, you know, my comedy is very raunchy. My like whole persona, I don't think is very threatened by the fact that I like make adult content. I don't make extremely explicit adult content. Where's the line? Well, you know, everybody's got a price, right? So I don't really. Have- <laughs> I, don't- I think the line is um, including my face in very specific types of videos or or photos. But faceless, oh, sky's I mean, the limit? Not the sky's the limit, no. But like, uh, I, you know, I'm not scared to... Um, it's like, it's basically anything that I would like send to like a partner. <laughs> if I'm like sexting a partner, I would post on OnlyFans. So, you know, like I'm not doing a lot of like anal fisting, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's pretty chill what I'm posting on there. For a lot of people, the whole point of OnlyFans isn't to see like pornography. It's to feel like you're like seeing this other side to this person that you're like already into or interested in. So the actual like level of explicit content isn't um, if you're like already a personality of some kind, you know, I'm not huge, but I have like a sizable Twitter following. I have some Instagram followers. I have fans from my comedy that like have a crush on me. And so if they're getting something that I would sext someone, that's like the experience they're paying for. They're not like necessarily trying to see me do something that they can like look up on like X hamster and just see anybody do. It's about the connection. It's the girlfriend experience or whatever. It's the girlfriend experience. Exactly. So I don't have like an official line, but I'm like, you know, I only do stuff that I would do anyway, basically, but I would do it for free for specific people before. And now I'm doing it for money for like whoever's willing to pay the amount I charge for that. So my, what I was getting to with that is that my subscription fee is like pretty low because on my feed, it's just pictures that like, honestly, if Instagram allowed tits, (laughs) I would post these pictures on Instagram. They're just like pretty pictures of me. Sometimes not even like showing anything. I'm just like wearing a bikini or something. Sometimes I'm like topless. I'm like also in addition to this non-binary and, you know, militant feminist. So I really am like free the nipple anyway. But in the meantime, if we can't post our nipple anywhere else, then like I will charge for it. I'll make money off of that. That's fine. I'll make money off of the patriarchy. So my feed is just stuff like that. And there's plenty of people that are like totally satisfied with that. And then I like I'm I charge like a significantly higher amount for anything more than that, because I rather fewer people pay a higher price to see something than more people pay a lower price. It's less likely to get leaked. I'm not super worried about that just because I'm already who I am. And it's not like I'm trying to run for president ever. But, you know, it is an invasion of privacy, especially if I'm like trying to charge for this. If you're like putting it for free anywhere, that sucks. It's unethical. Yeah, it's unethical. Exactly. Because the people who are paying for it, like really want to see it. And then they just paid that amount of money. So they don't want to like show anyone else that. And then it's kind of just like the designer clothing model where it's just like, 
if you charge a certain amount of money, the actual like price is what's appealing to some people. The literal content could be the same as the thing that is a hundred percent cheaper. It's that they got a custom. They got like a unique little yeah. snowflake of a experience. It's why when you sell tickets to comedy shows that you're like trying to sell out uh, or make a good amount at, it's nice to have like a VIP level because mm-hmm. some person will always do the VIP level. So it doesn't matter like whether it's you're like, oh, you're going to get to sit alone with your friends. Someone's going to want that or like you get an extra beer, you know, whatever it is. People like having the VIP status. Yeah. Some people. Totally. I also just like I'm like a firm believer that there's like way too much stigma around all of this in the first place. And so agreed. I've been a proud slut my whole life. (laughs) I've been like, (laughs) I mean, I've gone through my bouts of shame and stuff with all of this, including OnlyFans. It's like crazy how deep the internalized shame actually does run with these kinds of things. But I rather be the person that I am from the family that I'm from with the like career that I'm pursuing and like use all of that to normalize this than to like you know, just leave it to the people who absolutely need to do this kind of stuff to survive. And then we just keep dismissing them as this other. And Mm -hmm. the the people whose entire lives are ruined by it coming out that they do this kind of stuff. Like I'm already somebody who enjoys doing this kind of stuff. So why not use my platform on like Twitter to like normalize it and then also make some money. It's been very rewarding in that sense. I can tell that there's like people in my life or people that follow me that probably thought one thing or another about people who engage in any kind of sex work. And then just like seeing the way I and all these other comedians who have started doing it, (laughs) all of us like talking about it and like normalizing it and like glamorizing it to a certain extent, too. Hopefully not to an extent where it's hurtful to the sex workers who have done so much work before us to even get us to this point. But, you know, like making it cool, quote unquote, I think is like overall helpful. I know that there is some ways where, you know, like Caroline Calloway starting an OnlyFans can actually be kind of hurtful to the overall progression because she's just like, well, I'm not like other sex workers. I'm Caroline Calloway. And it's like. That's not helpful, but I think just people with any kind of platform, I don't know, like Beyonce singing about OnlyFans, I think was Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And just like talking about it in a way that is purely normalizing and helpful and not like further othering. I've been like excited to be part of that in any small way that I have been to my to my the, the small platform that I do have. I love that. How old are you? I'm 24. We were talking to another 20 something. And do you think your generation, it is already less stigmatized than it has been in the past. Or I guess you might not have a frame of reference for that. <laughs> but does it feel like there's already maybe not that much shame around it? Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of depends on who you're talking to, I guess. I definitely was firmly part of my generation when I experienced a lot of stigma for just being sexually active in like high school. Like Mm -hmm. I was definitely a victim of that in my adolescence. But I think the generation coming after us right now, like Gen Z, there's like way less stigma around that stuff. And I think that's 
partially because, and I'm technically Gen Z, but like very technically, I'm like one year <laughs> cut off. We're like so technically like, millennials. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. We're on the cusp. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like I identify kind of with neither generation, but I identify more with millennials just because like Gen Z was, you know, they're doing their thing and I don't understand it, but congrats to them. But like, I think millennials and younger millennials and like older Gen Z were kind of part of the generation of like, experiencing that stigma and shame and pushing back on it rather than internalizing it. And I think because of that, we are now able to see a generation that's like way less inhibited. And I, I think that there's still plenty of that still going on with Gen Z, but I think we're slowly, I mean, just think about like Cardi B and Megan mm-hmm. The Stallion's song that just came out. Just women just like bragging about how wet their pussy <laughs> pussies are and like talking about like, how good at sex they are in this way that's like so self-possessed and with so much agency. I mean, of course, it's not like Salt and Peppa and like TLC didn't do stuff like that, but like not to this kind of explicit mm-hmm. owning it extent. Um, I'm sorry, Missy I'm, Elliott has been doing that her whole career. Missy Elliott, you're right. But you know, I guess what's different about Missy Elliott is just the the way the world kind of perceives her mm-hmm. more than what she's doing. She almost gets like a pass for having some sort of like masculine energy or something she's super super masculine in this way that is totally badass you know like she isn't a lesbian but she's got this kind of like lesbian vibe to her which almost brings her into the club a little bit i mean lil kim used to rap about her pussy being wet all the time too totally she did if I had a dick, I'd t- yeah, she did the whole deal. Let's not forget our foremothers, okay? I agree, I agree. Who kept their pussies wet so that we could have wet pussies? But to your point, it's like they get more of a platform, I think, or they get more attention for it, or like we celebrate it more. It is different than it was before. Yes, it's different. And I want to be clear when I say, when I referenced that song, it's not that Cardi B and Megan invented this. It's more that they're being, yeah, like you said, there's like a different level of platform being given to this particular song than any of those songs. And like Lil' Kim and Missy Elliott were huge, but they were not mainstream in the way that Cardi B is currently mainstream. They were like, you know, taking the backseat to the like big pop artists of their times. I hate to say that their times have passed. Missy Elliott is still coming out with stuff. And I think Lil' Kim recently did too. But you know, their primes when they were huge. It was a little bit more niche to be singing about your pussy in this way, I think. Also, there wasn't like Twitter and stuff. I think that they probably would have had as big of a platform if Mm -hmm. actual people were able to talk about the music and not just give it to like TRL (laughs) to talk about what the big song is, you know? Or like Ryan Seacrest wasn't really talking about their pussies. (laughs) (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) But so, yeah, I'm I'm not giving them the credit for this. I'm just saying it is now time where like women are kind of like given more of the actual control to talk about this stuff in a mainstream way. I'm so tired after this day of Zoom calls, Cokes. I am looking to relax. Oh my God, I feel you. They're so exhausting. Yeah, do you feel like you really need like a self-care moment at the end of the day after all of that to just like reconnect with yourself? 
Oh my God, yes, 100. Okay, well, I'm here to remind you about Dipsy because as you know, Dipsy is an audio app that has short, sexy stories that are designed to turn you on. And that's perfect because at the end of the day, you can reset and reconnect with yourself with Dipsy. Each Dipsy story has characters that feel like real people and they have immersive scenarios. So you really feel like you're right there. Ooh, you know what I love? I love stories about off limits hookups with my professor or like a costume party that takes things to the next level or maybe a story where my partner tells me exactly what to do or we try a new toy together. They have so much stuff like that. It's awesome because they release new stories every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter what or who you're into or what turns you on. Ooh, and Dipsy also has wellness sessions that help you learn more about yourself and bedtime stories and soundscapes that are really relaxing and help you drift off if you've been doom scrolling all day. <laughs> Hashtag relatable content. So how do we get Dipsy? Um, basically, for listeners of Private Parts Unknown, Dipsy is offering a free 30-day trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash private. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash private. That's dipsystories.com slash private. Hey, Volvo owners, do you want stronger orgasms? Hell yeah! That's what I like to hear. Guess what? It is scientifically proven that a stronger pelvic floor can lead to stronger orgasms. Intensity by Pour Moi gives you that strength. Mmm, Intensity by Pour Moi is an intimate health and stimulation device. A lot of people might be tempted to call it a vibrator, but it's actually much, much more than that. Everybody loves to talk about the effects of vibration, that OMG moment. But what makes intensity special is how it tightens and tones your pelvic floor muscles. Most people know that Kegels are important, but intensity does them better by automatically exercising the muscles of the pelvic floor for you. And not only will intensity teach you how a properly performed Kegel feels, it also has a vibrating component for your pleasure. Intensity lets you balance feeling good with working hard. And right now, Formwa is offering our listeners an additional 25 bucks off intensity when you go to pormois.com and enter code PRIVATE at checkout. You can use this code along with any code on their website. Ooh, I love that combo deal. That's $25 off on top of all ongoing promotions when you go to P-O-U-R-M-O-I.com and use promo code PRIVATE. Pormois.com, code PRIVATE. Formois is French. How has being non-binary affected your OnlyFans or the way that you express yourself on OnlyFans, if at all? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of difficult because hyperfemininity is definitely rewarded on there monetarily and like just engagement-wise. I see my followers respond. I wouldn't say more, but just enthusiastically to when I like, you know, do the red lip. I like put makeup on and do my hair in some, you know, when my hair was longer, I would like curl it or do something just like very uh, boudoir-esque and they would react very positively to that. Or like lingerie and stuff is kind of inherently feminized. But 
I will say I've never really changed what I do with my body hair for my OnlyFans. And I've only ever been given a positive reaction to that. And not even in a fetishizing way, but just in a like, oh, it's refreshing to see armpit hair in a bush. And I'm like, all right, pay up. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. Um, I am doing the Lord's work, but also I got to make rent. So tip if you love to see a bush. But I don't know. I think the people that subscribe to me are like subscribed to me. So I am lucky that I already kind of had a platform to tap into and like people who already kind of were into what I'm about. The majority of my fans on OnlyFans are like sincerely fans of my comedy and are just very sweet people who just like talking to me. A lot of what I do on OnlyFans is just like talking to people about comedy. They just want to talk to me about like, yeah, it's very sweet, actually. And then yeah, of course, with like some titty pics. And then they're, it's like the whole experience. It is the girlfriend experience if your girlfriend were a non-binary comedian (laughs) and was talking to you about comedy and uh, not shaving her bush. You're going to get so many more subscribers off of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then there's people who will just find me through whatever, through my Twitter, but they weren't like fans of me through Twitter. They just like found me and then saw that I had an OnlyFans and subscribe. And it's like clear that they're just into like the general OnlyFans experience. They're just like, do you have any blowjob videos? And I'm like, no. And then they're like, okay. And then they don't resubscribe the next month. But like, those aren't the people that I'm going to be making the most money off of or having like a long-term relationship with in any meaningful way anyway. So like my non-binary identity is kind of like all of the other parts of my identity where it's like people are, are like signing up for me and they like... They like me regardless of what I'm posting on OnlyFans. I am curious, like, you can see how much someone has spent on you. Like, you can click on their profile and it'll show you how much they've spent on you. And there's some people who have spent so much money on me and, like, on my, you know, adult content on there that I'm like, if and when I ever decide to stop doing this, I wonder what my relationship with, like, those people is going to look like, like, as my fans, you know? Like, are they going to come up to me after a show or, like, DM me about how they're, like, a huge fan, but also, like, can they keep buying (laughs) nudes? I'm just curious uh, how that's ever going to play out. It's kind of like hooking up with a friend. Like, I've permanently altered how we relate to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is really interesting. (laughs) Well, but I think if we listen to you about what you said about the experience that they get from your OnlyFans, it's because they're fans of you, period. Mm -hmm. So I doubt that like once the titties are gone, they'll be like, well, (laughs) fuck that bitch. You know what I mean? If they've already been part there for the girlfriend experience. Oh, she's not worried about that. She's worried about them being like, can we keep going? (laughs) Can you always be my supplier? (laughs) No, I'm saying that's that they're going to respect whatever you say. If you're like, nah, I'm off of that. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think that's probably most likely. Yeah. So I have a question. Are you able to like survive on the money that you make from OnlyFans? And have you thought about the future like post COVID if you want to keep doing this? Um. Yeah. So I make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. Ah! I'm going to have an OnlyFans. By the end of the series, I'm going to have an OnlyFans. <laughs> it starts to sound so dumb not to have one. <laughs> Just letting these titties rot on the vine. (laughs) They only got a few years left. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's it's weird because like it does permanently alter what your comedy career is going to look like in the future. It permanently alters what your job prospects are in the future. If you're open about it, like I'm open about it on my Twitter. My OnlyFans name isn't my first and last name. So like it's not Googleable like that content, but it very well could be, you know, like someone could leak it on Reddit. And because people know my name, they could add my name to it. Mm -hmm. Not to give anyone any ideas, (laughs) but by starting it, you're kind of agreeing to it being possible that everybody in your life finds out about it and it being possible that your future has fewer possibilities because of it. It also has, for me, more more possibilities now. Like, I've never had this kind of money. I've never had this kind of savings before. I think that regardless of how... <laughs> Buffy, stop. My dog is trying to lick her butthole. And listen, save it for your OnlyFans, <laughs> That's girl. appropriate, Buffy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> But kind of regardless of how anything would have or does play out, I wasn't really on the track to make this kind of money through comedy, (laughs) like, to be honest. Like, I don't know if I was ever going to land, like, an ABC pilot. That isn't necessarily what was in the cards for me regardless. But now, anything, like, owned by Disney, it's very likely that they wouldn't be interested in at least having me as, like, an actor on that. You know, I think it's becoming less and less of a possibility to rule out everybody who's ever had a nude of themselves on the internet to, like, not be in a Marvel movie anymore Exactly, yeah. But as things are right now, that's the case. And so, listen, I'm not, like, mourning these possibilities because I do think that that is changing. It's kind of like tattoos. Like, at one point, that ruined all your job prospects, and now it's, like, doctors have neck tattoos. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter anymore. And I think that very similarly, at least... The existence of nudes of you is no longer going to be a problem. I do still think that sex work is going to carry that stigma. Like charging for it weirdly changes things for people, which is so weird because it's like not really any different. If I gave all of these people free nudes, I think it would have less of a negative impact on my comedy career than the fact that I've made a living off of it. Because you're bucking the patriarchy. Literally, yeah. Like people hate to see women people hate it when we control our own sexuality whether Seriously, it's for it's gain or not but if it's for gain they're like even more insulted they're like no i get to look at your titties and and fucking sexually harass you for free so i have a story about this actually already i've only been doing OnlyFans for like four months and this has already happened to me i signed the paperwork i had a fucking entertainment lawyer and my manager all up in this deal and i was like signing on for a tv show and to be honest it was more of a proof of concept they like kind of lied about it already being you know like people in entertainment love to like be like oh we've already sold it and then the more into the project you are they're like well, we're about to sell it. Like it was kind of one of those situations. <laughs> uh-huh. But I was I was like signed on for this project that was going to be supposedly a TV show at some point. I don't know how much COVID has changed that at this point. But anyway, the main guy, the executive producer of it, who had worked on all these, you know, he had this very impressive portfolio um, and was really like excited to change my life. And like he was like talking up how like this show is gonna like change my comedy career and how he's so excited to give me my like big break or whatever which I lapped up at the time because I'm just like a desperate comedian and I was just like hell yeah and he 
on a phone call with like one of the other producers and my manager said some like weird thing about how I was perfect for it because I'm like, like attractive. You know, he's like, you're so funny. You're like original the way you talk about whatever feminism is like, it's really going to jive with our younger audience. And also you're not hard to look at. And he said something weirdly sexual. I don't really remember exactly what it was, but it was enough for like everyone on the call to be silent for a second. And then after we hung up, my manager was like, do you still want to work with this guy? <laughs> like, it was like such a like weird moment of like, well, that was creepy. And then the other producer that was on that call called me after and was like, I'm so sorry about that. That was so weird. And I was like, it's okay. And then that same producer that was talking about how literally me being sexy is one of the reasons he wants me on this show has soft fired me because he found out I had an OnlyFans. But the only reason I know it's because I have an OnlyFans is because the other producers that loved me and didn't care that I had an OnlyFans tried to talk him out of it and then like gave me a warning that he's like not gonna keep me on the show, but he's not gonna formally fire me for it because that would be like Look it would bad. be like a scandal. Yeah. What a fucking hypocrite. I haven't heard from them in like two months now. And I've never been like officially told that I'm not on the show anymore. But like I signed a contract with them and stuff. Like it's like insane. And so that's already happened. I will be honest. This was a project that from the get go, my manager was like, don't get too excited about this. <laughs> he was like, they seem kind of like this hasn't been sold yet or whatever. But like still, I wanted to like work on something especially because yeah. during quarantine at first they were like having me work on all these like at home segments like it was just like fun homework that I was getting paid to do and now they haven't assigned anything to me and to be honest I don't think that the show is still gonna happen I think quarantine really threw a wrench in their whole what they were trying to pitch in the first place but that's not why they stopped calling me <laughs> like I, right. I think they're still working on it no, I think it's great that you're being so honest about that, like, yes, this is easy and, and profitable, but it does come at a cost and you should know what that is. And I think that the cost is going to be less and less. I don't know. I think if the, that show were like a Comedy Central thing or like, you know, one of those things that's just a little bit more like they don't really give a fuck. But this was going to be a little bit more of a like wider audience, more palatable program. Prime time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my joke is that I'd rather be HBO than CW because it's hotter and you have to pay to see it. <laughs> so like that's but that's true. Like, you know, an HBO thing, a Comedy Central thing. There's like plenty of opportunities for people who have done this, any form of this, uh, whether it's OnlyFans or if it's like, you know, actual pornography, like there are plenty of opportunities in the entertainment industry for those people, but they're just certain ones that are not there for you. And maybe that'll change. I hope it changes eventually. But at the moment, just look at the reactions about the that Cardi and, and Megan song. If you just look at like how senators have tweeted about it, people hate women having any kind of possession of the, their own bodies. Like they hate it. <laughs> so the tides are shifting, but they're shifting slowly. So... You said there are in some ways like more opportunities that you see. What are some of the upsides that you're like, oh, I actually feel more set up in whatever way? Well, I mean, financially, I feel way more secure now. I also feel like I could fund my own projects 
in a different way than I ever could before. I also think it's an interesting thing. Like the majority of my comedy perspective was already very sexual and feminist and progressive and like forward thinking. And I think in a lot of ways, sex work is only like an extension of that. And if anything, kind of like another thing in my portfolio of like me walking the walk of like being a feminist, progressive, forward thinking person. Um, Not to say that if you never do sex work, you aren't those things, but it is just like it does require a certain amount of like believing that to even do that in the first place. There's a lot of comedians who do it. And so we all have each other's back in this way that is like, it's only been helpful to me. I have plenty of really amazing friends in comedy and I have plenty of comedians that I have mutual respect with. But like the like bond of like comedians who like all do this in some capacity, what we have in common and what we can talk about and what we go through negatively, the camaraderie of that experience is like, only helpful, you know, to have those kinds of people in my corner. And yeah, like a lot of them are killing it professionally. And if I'm like one of the people that they're like thinking of, (laughs) like, that's only helpful. And yeah, like stuff like this, like people want to talk about it and hear more about it. And I think that wouldn't be the case if I wasn't like also a like good comedian and like somebody that people were already interested in in comedy but it is just like a added interesting thing you know Mm -hmm. but yeah like it's kind of too early in this new world that we're in to tell how it will like impact things going forward or if I'll keep doing it after all of this I don't know if I'm making the kind of money I'm making just because people can't go fuck each other right now or if there's going to be some kind of new censorship law that makes OnlyFans disappear the way Backpage did. Like, there are so many ways that sex workers are constantly sabotaged that I'm not, like, banking on this being my, like, you know, new thing forever, but it would be pretty sick if it were. Like, it's, like, an an ideal, quote-unquote, day job for me. And, yeah, it's not for everybody, but it is definitely for me for now. But, yeah, it's, like, obviously scary to think about how it might impact things in the future. But that's, like, every decision you make in your entire life is like that. So right now, this is, like, only positively <laughs> impacting me. And I'm, like, I I went into it knowing the risks. Preach. It's interesting to hear uh, you talk about the relief that you feel from being financially secure. And I think that that's another thing that people in their early 20s are like, the way that the world is going and how many things have been destroyed for like their future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, you know, it's no wonder that during like the least secure economic time that people are like, what can we depend on? Oh, uh, our Porn. bodies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The oldest fucking thing in the world. So it well, makes sense. I have a joke about that actually, but keep going. Sorry. I'm glad that instead of being like a starving comedian, you now get to be a comedian that also eats. Thank you. I want to hear that joke. Well, that was the other thing that I forgot to mention. It's a great material. And like, I already was a person that talked about like 
sex and sexuality and gender, all the things that sex work kind of encompasses. I already talked about all of that in my comedy. And so it's been interesting, like, you know, doing Zoom shows, doing the type of stand up that we can currently do other than those like outdoor shows people are doing, which I have not done yet. But I've been doing a lot of Zoom shows and I've been writing some OnlyFans material and One of my main jokes about it is that OnlyFans is like women's Bitcoin. Like pussy was the first Ah. currency and it's going to be the last currency. And we're just trying to get in early. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great joke. Um, Okay, last question. Uh, What advice do you have for people who would become your subscribers or anybody's on OnlyFans? How to be respectful? fans? That's a great question. I think the main thing is this is a subscription service. And in any situation, whether it's a stripper or an OnlyFans person or a cam girl, you're paying for their time. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like we only value you purely monetarily. Like there are plenty of people on my OnlyFans that I genuinely enjoy talking to. But there is a 100% overlap with those people that they also value my time and they tip me well they tip me when they are talking to me for longer than a few minutes and it's not like i'll only talk to people who are tipping me but i'm gonna like appreciate that person way more and so just know that like yeah you already paid the subscription service oh my gosh my dog really wants to lick her butt butthole you guys um say that you already you already paid the subscription fee and that's the entry point, you know, that doesn't entitle you to anything else other than just being on their page. And so it doesn't entitle you to their time. It doesn't entitle you to content that is like not just on their feed. Anything more than just browsing what they have so generously posted on their feed for you, you should be paying for. And I think some people think that that is like dehumanizing in some way where it's like, oh, you only want to talk to me if I'm giving you money. And it's like, yeah, dude, on this platform, I do. (laughs) I'm not just like on OnlyFans to like chit chat and like make friends, you know. But ironically, the people who know and appreciate that and are like very understanding of that fact are the people that I've actually become friends with and I enjoy talking to. And a lot of them I do talk to for free now because like they've kind of shown that they get it and that it'll eventually come back around in some way. So that's like my main tip is don't feel entitled to anything if it's not like what the person has outlined as part of your subscription, then you should be paying for that. And also, it helps to send a tip with any requests you have. We are much more interested in entertaining the idea of the request if there's $5 attached to it. (laughs) So, yeah. These are great tips. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Anya Volz, A-N-Y-A-V-O-L-Z, on Twitter and Instagram. And often my OnlyFans link is on those pages. And when it's not... It's usually because I'm applying for a job. (laughs) So you can DM me, DM me and ask for it anytime if it's not in my link tree. But um, it usually is. Amazing. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And inspiring my OnlyFans account. (laughs) Oh, also, also, uh, anyone listening to this who was at all interested in what I had to say, 
do know that sex workers are incredibly discriminated against in our legislation and were completely excluded from, <laughs> okay, my dog is also angry about this. Um, they were completely excluded from the like COVID relief bills. And so if you have it in you, please donate to sex worker mutual aids for COVID relief because a lot of them did not get any kind of unemployment money or anything. Right on, thank you. That's good to note. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Ah, oh, that was so good. I freaking love Anya. I could listen to her all day. And such a good reminder that so many sex workers are struggling right now. And if you can donate to mutual aid relief funds, you totally should. Yeah, you definitely should open your wallet if you can. Make it rain. And uh, check out more Anya on her socials. She runs stand-up shows. She has a podcast. What doesn't she do? And you can also <laughs> check us out on our socials. We are at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram. And we're at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And we also have a dope newsletter you can sign up for at privatepartsunknown.com. It's super chill, great little sexy updates, little tidbits that you might not know about, old sexy discounts. It's a really nice newsletter, guys. Amen. And if you want to follow us, I am at Courtney Kosak on all the socials. I am at the Sophia, S-O-F-I-Y-A, on everything. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? I'm so glad you asked. This music is by our awesome friend, Amy Rosh. Check her out on Spotify. Her last name is R-A-A-S-C-H. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We love you, Mike. Wow, that's the worst one yet, maybe. <laughs> We're still not getting better. What is it about us and this singing? <laughs> And now it's time for the review of the week. We got a new one. Hell yeah, this one's from Hellraiser. Feminism is sexy. Such interesting and fun topics. Especially love the way the hosts challenge misunderstandings of sex work. Just the right mix of funny, sexy, and important. Ah, hell yeah, Hellraiser. Hell double fucking yeah. I'm putting that on my tombstone, Hellraiser. So good. And if you want to raise hell with us or get on our good side, you guys can leave us a rating and review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash private. Super easy to remember. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash private. Pop quiz, Sophia. What's the website? <laughs> RateThisPodcast.com slash private. You guys, if Sophia can do it, anyone can. <laughs> Truly, this is like my 50th time saying it. <laughs> I never get it right. <laughs> it would honestly make us feel so good. We love to bring you guys the best sex, dating, relationship content. And we love when you reward us for doing so. Meow. And make sure to check out the fourth episode in our OnlyFans series coming up next week. And it actually is with Anya's friend, Nika. Yes, Nika Lamazo, who is also a comedian and an OnlyFans creator and a former politician. So tune in for that one next time. Bye.